Open your eyes and look into the darkness. Something strange is moving. Something grave and sinister. Something paranormal. Something ghostly. That sends shivers down your spine. It is children with cult class with your house, Caitlin. This is where we talk about everything spooky, strange, and unexplained. So we didn't end up going to Annabelle. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> we didn't do the Warren's occult display. I feel like I chickened out, but I didn't. No, 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 no. It wasn't It wasn't because you chickened out or I chickened out. It was a very valid excuse. It, you know, got landed yes. as... A big job. Yeah. Well, with things my... Things happen quick and they need things done fast, so... Yes, we have a short deadline. So with my, the thing about running your own business or freelancing is if you get offered a great job, you take it. And I got offered a great job and it happened to be Annabelle weekend. And I said, oh darn, I didn't get to go see this, the haunted ghost. Oh shucks. <laughs> oh shucks. You know, and we're going on our, our hunting trip and I was like, am I going to go see Annabelle and then think about her and we're going to have bad luck on the trip or something? Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking about like walking into the woods early in, in the morning, late at night. And, and Annabelle's showing up in the woods. And then just having that in your mind. Oh, yeah. I know. No, thank you. I know, but we didn't check it out. No, did not. We had a valid reason. It, yes. Yes. Not an excuse. It's a reason. It was a reason. I have to be professional first. You got it. <laughs> so what are you drinking, Nick? Uh, these are one of your things. Mighty Swell um, Spiked Seltzer. This is the blood orange flavor. How about you? Aren't these good? I'm not like very into Spiked Seltzer, but these ones are so good. I'm drinking the Blackberry Mighty Swell, and it is delicious. And yeah. I'm sitting in my fluffy robe because I'm all about robes these days. Yep, you've been loving that robe. Everybody who doesn't own a robe... Yeah, I highly recommend you buy a robe. I bought this robe on Amazon. This is not an ad. This is just for your well-being and your comfort in the winter. Oh, they say life hack, buy a robe. <laughs> life hack. Yeah. Now I sound like it is an ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I highly recommend robes. Okay, so this week we're going to jump right into our stories and into Movie Club because we have a lot to cover. It is Halloween tomorrow. Woo-wee! <laughs> We're very excited, apparently, about Love Halloween. Halloween. Love Halloween. I'm going to tell you guys, I was researching for these stories, so terrified. We're recording right now, and it's daytime on purpose, because <laughs> I said to Nick, I was like, I cannot record this at night. It's too scary. So, here we go. Welcome to the Movie Club. Last week's movie club pick was The Conjuring. I have to say, it was so much scarier than I remember. 
All these movies that we've been watching that are a little bit older are just so scary. They're so scary. <laughs> I don't know if it's me or, or what. Is it because we've gotten like old and like afraid of maybe, the world? Maybe. Maybe, maybe when I was younger I felt like I, braver. I think, I think we know what like danger is and what like what scariness actually is maybe. Yeah. Or there know. is good and evil in the world. That's I think probably more of that. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. As an adult I feel like you see plenty of evil mm -hmm. and you know more than when you're a kid. Right. And so it's just scar scarier. I don't know if I... We watched The Conjuring on one of our first dates. Mm -hmm. On We just rented it. Yep. Yep. We might have rented it on DVD. I think I had a, like a red box. Or, or a red box or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember being scared of it then. Totally, but it, it, yeah. Oh, differently though. It was like, ooh, you know? Yeah. Like, I'll run a little quicker to the car, you know, where I was, you know, yeah. or something like that. This time we, we probably paused it about a hundred times. <laughs> At least, yeah. We're so wimpy. We were like, ooh, I, we've told you guys before that we make a lot of excuses during movies to uh, shut them off. We were like, oh, should we heat up some leftover pizza? Oh, and then at one point we were just like, let's let's start this again in an hour. <laughs> we a little breather. So I, my personal opinion about this movie was that it was it's one of the best horror movies ever made. The the layer of truth to it. Adds so much oh, yeah. freak factor. Totally, totally. I'll get into that in a little bit, but the fact that it's based around true investigations in Ed and Lorraine Warren adds a layer of like, oh wow, this supposedly really happened, yeah. which is really scary. It's like that meme that's, it's a face, I'll post this, but when it says, when you read, watch a scary movie that at the end it says based on true events, and the person is like, eyes are bugging out of their heads. <laughs> This movie had that factor, and beyond that, the colors. When I say colors, I mean just the palette, the like the tones the that tones. they film in. Yeah. You know, it's it wasn't too blue. It's not too depressing. It, there's plenty of light in the movie, but there's an eerie. They create a really eerie atmosphere. It's mm -hmm. like something's just kind of weird about this. Yeah. Like that, the whole family moves into the house, and you're like, something's off about this house. I mean. Every scary movie, everyone's like, why did they move into this 800 million year old rundown house? Mm -hmm. But, you know, so there is that factor where you look around and you're like, this just looks haunted. Totally. But there is an atmosphere to the film. Well, even like with the, like the texts of the movies on the intro, you know, that yes. even like, like, I feel like set the, the feel for it and like how the lettering of the title is. Oh you my god! Just like the intro to it is just. It's like, ooh, it kind of makes your skin crawl, like something's about to happen. Yes, like just as a designer, I go nuts over fonts. And the the opening font, the conjuring font with the yellow color that they pick is just so classic, but so new at the same time and great. And the whole movie has a retro look and feel, and I love retro. Like my art is very much like tailored to retro 60s, 70s looks and grain, but they don't film it in a grainy way. They film it, it looks very high, highly produced. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like we watched The Ring and The Ring kind of has this old look to it sure. or, yep, or yep. Blair Witch obviously is older, but but this movie looks very highly produced, very Hollywood, but somehow they still have this very, they maintain a very yeah, how would you say? Like um, vintage feel. feel, vintage feel, totally. It's Absolutely. so great. So uh, I think our favorite Nick has notes that we took. I forgot that they talked about Annabelle right in the beginning, and they set up the whole Conjuring universe. So a few episodes ago, I talked about Annabelle the doll, mm -hmm. 
And you guys can go back and listen to that and Lorraine case. So that's that's cool how they set it up. And since I had no, researched that story, we got to see the nurses that owned the doll and how that was played out in a movie before the actual Annabelle movies. So that was neat. Another thing is I love the clapping throughout the film. So oh, one yeah. listener actually messaged me and she said that the clapping was her her favorite. And I was like, oh my gosh, the clapping is everything. That game they play, oh they're like, oh, hide and clap, which <laughs> oh is also God. weird. Also like, what? Why yeah. are you playing this in this like, creepy house? Yeah. And then they discover the, the basement. But the real clap, yeah. it's not only when the ghosts are clapping, but then when the hands come behind the mom and clap. Forget about it. Oh, you see like a little bit of a face too, you know, like whenever she's down in the basement, yes. going up the stairs, and then it's the like <gasps> clap, and it's, you know, of the boy we know now. Um, oh, the Rory kid. Rory, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the best visuals in any horror movie I've ever seen. Also, when the when the sheet comes off the clothing line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And outside, yeah. And hits a silhouette of a person. That, and then it goes up in the window. And then it goes up to the window to to bring you to the the, the mom. mom who's possessed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, because then the because then the witch throws up in her mouth oh, or my whatever. Gosh. Ooh, Nick almost... turned to me and he was like, "Do you think that means she's possessed now?" And I was like, "I think when like a witch vomits <laughs> in her mouth." Yeah. I didn't know if she doesn't have bad morning breath or something. I don't know. Wait, yeah. Well, then she goes up there and she's like oh Cindy or whatever the <laughs> lady's name is and she's like I'm fine and you're like oh no you're for sure possessed oh yeah yeah you've changed yeah you're like for sure possessed and now you're just like the witch lady <laughs> yeah 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 that witch lady though that was she was a she was a sight ugh oh you know she's a cutie not saying that <laughs> ugly ugly <laughs> yeah when she was on top of the armoire and yeah. like leapt onto the little like girl like a little spider lady like a little golem yeah like a go- golem but and so much and her flesh scarier. was like rotting ugh well and they talk about so I'll get into this in a second but they talk about how smelly she is in oh, the movie right. yeah yeah and in real life mm-hmm. that seemed to be a, a symptom a of the house or this haunting yeah Oh, the dog not coming into the house. Yeah, so whenever they first moved in there, the, you know, he says, go, you know, kids go check out the house and everything. And the dog, you know, gets up on the porch and he, like, won't cross the door line to go into the Red house. flag. Red flag. And then, you know, what, two minutes later. Oh, yeah, he dies. He dies. Well, and we talked about this in the last episode. Kids and dogs, extra sensitive, or animals, extra sensitive they to this kind know. of stuff. They have like a sixth sense, I feel like. Yeah. The dog, my, my biggest issue with that was then they chained the dog up outside. And like, we live out in the country, and you just wouldn't leave your dog outside overnight anywhere anyway. Because like a bear or a oh, coyote yeah, exactly. or a fox or anything could no, get There's it. a lot of predators out there. That yeah. almost wasn't believable. That was like a little cold. Yeah, but it happened during the daytime. That's what was so weird about it. Remember? No, they left it out overnight. Oh. And I then thought... they found it in the morning. Oh, I thought there was a no. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, so yeah. that was a little like... Dude, what the f? Yeah, why are you leaving your dog out like that? Yeah, someone call animal control. Yeah, it's like so uncool. Not cool, man. I mean, the dad was like fine the rest of the movie, but I had an issue with him. Unfazed, I had an issue with that. Yeah. Oh, that he he was unfazed that the dog was killed. Yeah, he's like, oh, let me go back in the house. You know, like looking around for something. I totally forgot that. Yeah, that was disturbing. Kids are so distraught. The you know the mom, the what you know, they're all like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't. That was weird. Oh, talking about talking about the basement earlier. Oh, 
you know, so like they were playing the the hide and clap or whatever, right. and then they uh, uh, went into this. I guess it was a closet, and then in the back of the closet, the kid like fell through the wall, and that's how they discovered the basement. We didn't talk about that. And then you know the parents come down, and they're like, "Oh wow, this house has a basement." What? We just bought you know this new place. We I feel like know most everything about it. You wouldn't know that you're outside a basement when you just bought the right? place. And that there was everything in there. The furnace, you know, all Oh my of, god, all the old all the maintenance things. Room was down there. All the things. All the things in the ball that just follows her that and gets weird. thrown. Yeah. You know this movie is again, amazing reviews, audiences and critics, one of the best horror movies, but that's another thing. It's like in New England Pretty much every house has a basement. Yeah, it's a I don't common. know that I've come across a house that didn't have a basement. Because I know, like, in Tennessee, when I moved to Tennessee, a lot of those houses don't have basements. No, yeah. But up here, this house is in Rhode Island. It's like, yeah, it probably has a basement. And right. then wouldn't you be like, oh, why is there this closet under the stairs? Probably because it's the basement entrance. Yeah. <laughs> so that was sort of... They seemingly moved to this house, like, sight unseen. Yeah, they just... Kind of did they, they say that? That they, they bought it not, from an I didn't. I don't remember catching that. Maybe they did. Maybe I, they did say that. I don't know. If you guys remember, definitely write that to me. Also, the real Conjuring house, the real Conjuring house from the real case, which I'm going to talk about in a second, is in Rhode Island, and it's less than an hour from our house. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to go. And we're not going to bail like <laughs> Annabelle. That was a real reason. But we're definitely going to go check it out. a job, yeah. No, but totally, totally. It doesn't look at all like the, the house that they filmed the movie in. I had a listener named Nina who messaged me all these pictures. It was so cool. She went and visited the house that they filmed the movie in. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really creepy. Like, she said it was really creepy, really vibey. Oh, gross. Oh, yeah, I bet it would have, you know, yeah. some kind of energy. Yeah, but the, the real-life one is more um, farmhouse style, like, less grandiose looking. More farmhouse, like, ranch style. Oh, in, cool. In yeah. Rhode Island. But we have to check that out. Someday. Totally. No, I have... Yeah, Somebody bought it recently and they do ghost tours now and stuff. But supposedly since the original haunting, there really hasn't been any activity. So, I don't know. Totally, totally. Oh, another thing with the movie, that that daughter, Sydney, the sleepwalker. Cindy? The Cin- sleepwalker? Cin- what did I say? Sydney? Cindy. Oh, was yeah, she banging yeah. her head against the wall? As a fellow sleepwalker, I can empathize with the struggle. But, but... This lady is such a sleepwalker. (laughs) We want to talk about horror movies (laughs) in my life. But this little kid takes it to a whole nother level. Wait, I just got to tell them. (laughs) One time I woke up in the middle of the night and Nick was standing next to the window. Uh And the curtain was closed. Uh And so all all I saw was kind of a silhouette of Nick, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, because it was dark in our room, light on the street. Yeah. All of a sudden... I just saw him move the curtain back and forth (laughs) and he was just moving it back. So all I saw was a silhouette and he was moving the curtain slowly back and forth and looking out onto the street. And I said, Nick, what are you doing? He said, I'm just watching. Oh gosh. (laughs) I don't remember any of that. That's not a lie. That's true life. So sleepwalkers do some weird, (laughs) creepy things. So I like that initially they were like, oh, it's just Sydney being weird. Yeah. But then Sydney's like banging her head against walls. Yeah. And maybe like, yeah, I've always, I've done ever since I was a kid and this little girl was a kid she's probably done it for a while too but the way that she was like going around this new house was so weird just like walking into all like she was like a 
a Sims character, just like you keep hitting the up <laughs> arrow into that's the wall. Like a Sims you know, just like bonk, bonk, bonk. <laughs> like what the weird kids used to do, just torture their Sims. <laughs> yeah, right. Just put them in a room without doors. <laughs> exactly. Uh, throwback Sims. Uh, they're coming out. Uh, the Sims creators are creating like a metaverse game or metaverse something oh like the web 3 yeah with like their sims background oh that's really really cool cool. so that's our take on the conjuring movie overall great again if you didn't watch it you know highly recommend to watch it it's a great war it's a great fall winter oh it's a fun one yeah yeah yeah, if it's getting dark out, put it on, get a couple scares then. I think the whole universe, the whole Conjuring Universe movies are all on HBO Max right now. So you guys can watch those. Moving away from Ghosts for just a minute, this week's movie club pick is... Dun, 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 yeah, where's dun, the drum roll? That's how we worked out a thing. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> there we go. We'll next time, guys. Shine. Shines. <laughs> Shines. If you've never seen it, it hasn't come out yet. The actual movie is Signs. Signs. M. Night Shyamalan's. That's why I said it. Shyamalan Shyamalan's. Signs. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's Signs. So we're going to dive into some alien yeah. stuff, some crop circles. Mel Gibson, M. Night Shyamalan. Talk about like creeping ourselves out before going and sitting in the woods and in cornfields. Oh, I know it. Yeah, because yeah. there's a cornfield scene in Signs that I will not talk about right now, but oh, one of my good. favorites ever. It's also a good one, a classic. Signs is probably my favorite sci-fi movie ever made. It's incredible. It's yeah. it's so good. The, uh, we'll talk about it next Yeah, week. we'll talk about it next week. A lot of people have issues with Signs because of a certain plot line, but we can talk about that too. Follow me, if you will, to a magical town where it is always Halloween, thanks to a witch's curse. (laughs) A town where leaves and escaped pages of the local Sentinel newspaper blow in the wind. A town where a distant radio can be heard playing 96.6 WOLF on its sinister speakers. A town where TV sets are tuned to cable access channel 20 WARY to watch the Monster Channel. And a town where the mayor has been serving his creepy citizens for 355 years now. This is sundown, so please come visit us and stay forever. Instead of doing a listener story, what we're going to do is I'm doing two back-to-back Halloween stories. We're jumping into Ed and Lorraine Warren and the true Conjuring story first. 
Today there is a growing interest in the supernatural and a new breed of investigators. Ed and Lorraine Warren aren't just part of that movement, they're its pioneers. For the past 31 years, they have studied, researched, and investigated paranormal activity worldwide. Studies and findings have been verified and documented with the assistance of psychiatrists, doctors, priests, mediums, and the full resources of modern paranormal research. Before we jump into the true haunting of the Perrin family, let me introduce Ed and Lorraine Warren. According to the New England Society for Psychic Research, Ed Warren Miney was born in Bridgeport in 1926. Less than a year later, Lorraine Rita Morin was born in the same city. The couple married in 1945, and in 1951, they gave birth to their only child, Judy Warren. Ed served time in the Navy during World War II, and upon returning home, studied art at Yale subsidiary art school, Perry Art School. Ed and Lorraine traveled New England attempting to make a profit on Ed's paintings, but along the way, it was said that the two would often make stops at haunted locations, which were often the inspiration for Ed's artwork. This was said to be the catalyst for their exploration into the paranormal. Lorraine was said to have been a clairvoyant, meaning that she was reported as having been able to gain insight on cases through supernatural abilities. She was also considered a medium, which means having the ability to communicate with paranormal entities. Ed was a self-taught demonologist and a devout Catholic. In 1952, the Warrens established the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is credited as the oldest paranormal research organization in the country. According to the New England Society for Psychic Research, the Warrens conducted over 100 individual paranormal investigations during their time. All of that information comes from ConnecticutPost.com. What you are about to hear is not a story. It's a documented case taken from the Warren Files. A case of a tranquil farmhouse in Rhode Island that has been the scene of strange and unusual activity for over a hundred years. All previous occupants of this house were plagued with misery and suffering where violent deaths such as murder, suicide, and drowning were the norm for everyone who challenged the house. The Conjuring movie was based on Ed and Lorraine Warren's investigation into the Perrin family. In January 1971, the Perrin family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island where Carolyn, Roger, and their five daughters began to notice strange things happening almost immediately after they moved in. Here is an interview clip of Ed Warren talking specifically about the Perrin case, the home, and the haunting. How would you conduct an investigation when you, when you came into this home? Where do you begin? First, I would, of course, interview each and every individual who had experienced any type of paranormal or supernatural activity in the home. While I am doing this job, Lorraine, who is my wife, is a light trance medium, a sensitive, would go through each room in that house, trying to pick up through vibrations, negative or positive uh, vibrations, so that we would then leave the house, evaluate our findings, and decide what it is we can do to help the family. 
if indeed there was anything that we could do to help them. In this case, I do not believe that any exorcism, any ritual of a religious nature, or any one could ever clear that home of the very negative spirits which are involved in it. We have both human and inhuman spirits in this home which are bringing about these destructive acts. The haunting started small. Carolyn would notice that the broom went missing or seemed to move from place to place on its own. She would hear the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen where no one was. She'd find small piles of dirt in the center of a newly cleaned kitchen floor. The girls began to notice spirits around the house, though for the most part, they were harmless. There were a few, however, that were angry. Carolyn allegedly researched the history of the home and discovered that it had been in the same family for eight generations and that many of them had died under mysterious or horrible circumstances. Several of the children had been drowned in a nearby creek, one was murdered, and a few of them hanged themselves in the attic. The spirit that was depicted in the film, Bathsheba, was the worst of them all. Whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house, and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position, said Andrea Perrin, the oldest of the five girls. It turns out there was actually a real person named Bathsheba Sherman who lived on the parents' property in the mid-1800s. She was rumored to have been a Satanist in that there was evidence that she had been involved in the death of a neighbor's child, though no trial ever took place. She was buried in a nearby Baptist cemetery in downtown Harrisville. The parents believed that it was Bathsheba's spirit that was tormenting them. According to the daughter, Andrea, the family experienced other spirits as well that smelled like rotting flesh and would cause beds to rise off the floor. She claims her father would enter the basement and feel a cold, stinking presence behind him. They often stayed away from the dirt-floored ceiling, but the heating equipment would often fail mysteriously, causing Roger to venture down there. Here are a few clips of original interviews with Carolyn Perrin about the hauntings. We could probably start with the clock, with the banjo clock. Moved in. Uh, the hands on the banjo clock, which was neither wound nor set, kept moving themselves from 12 o'clock high till quarter past five. Mm-hmm. Uh, every night, every morning we'd reset them till 12, and every night they'd move to quarter past five. Mm-hmm. Um, doors uh, began to open and shut mysteriously. These are these doors right here, these two doors? These dining room doors that, that lead into the small bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the piano would play mysteriously at night. It was so disturbing that we began to tie doors shut, to put things against doors, just mm-hmm. so we could get a night's sleep. And even with this, you had seen string or cord break with the doors tied. With the force with of them. the door forcing itself open. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the fireplace? You had told me different things had occurred by the fireplace, where you had fainted, uh, where you had the incident with the orange and so forth. Right. Uh, I like to take, we burn the fireplace constantly to conserve heat in the winter. And I like to cuddle near the hearthstone to get the heat. So I often bring a cup of coffee there in the morning or, or a piece of fruit in the evening to sit by the fire. Mm-hmm. And I sat one, one evening with a uh, sun-kissed orange. 
My girls all took an orange and I took an orange. We all sat down and started to cut the orange open and blood started to drip out of the orange. Did it look like real blood? It girl? looked like thick, rich, red blood. And it frightened the children. They started to scream because they thought I had cut myself mm -hmm. with a knife. And we watched it pour ooze out, at least an ounce of it, maybe two. And mm -hmm. then it just stopped. And now, did this drip onto the floor? It dripped onto my feet. Uh -huh. and coagulated on my feet, just as blood will when you cut yourself. Uh -huh. Round toward the foot of my bed and began to do this chant. At the same time, her arms were shaking in rhythm up, this, uh, up above her. There was no hand on the arm, just the black line where uh -huh. her arm would have been. And she said, I can only remember the first line of what she said. She said, uh, there were like four stanzas. Uh -huh. I'll drive you out with fiery brooms, I'll drive you mad with death and gloom. This would be sort of a witchcraft, uh, witchcraft chant, wouldn't it, Carol? It seemed to be some sort of an established... It was not something she was making up as she no. went along because it rhymed. Now, when did this entity disappear? Uh, she moved around toward the uh, foot of my bed and, and back over to the side of my bed where she was standing. As she did so, the chanting became louder and louder until it became a, a, a screech, until mm -hmm. the whole room was just, until it almost deafened me. I had to put my hands over my ears. Mm -hmm. I slid back down under the covers and, and up into my eyes, just my eyes. She leaned over the bed and then it was all over. Now, the sound went, the she went. Told me about? Oh yes, she had a horrible, horrible odor to her and it lingered for a long time, maybe half an hour, an hour after she had disappeared. What did this odor smell like, Carol? Well, it's hard to articulate. There's nothing I can compare it to because I've never smelled anything like it before. The only thing I could say is uh, moldy, dead, rotten meat. Mm -hmm. Over the 10 years that the family lived in the house, the Warrens made multiple trips to investigate. At one point, Lorraine conducted a seance to attempt to contact the spirits that were possessing the family. During the seance, Carolyn Perrin became possessed, speaking in tongues and rising from the ground in her chair. After the seance, Roger kicked the Warrens out, worried about his wife's mental stability. According to Andrea, the family continued to live in the house due to financial instability until they were able to move in 1980, at which point the spirits were silenced and the hauntings ceased. So what do you think of that, Nick? That's all I gotta say. <laughs> That's scary wild. stuff. I know. I know those clips are terrifying. Oh my gosh! Yeah, those. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, just gives me like like chills. Chills. You know? Yes, I do know. It's Ooh. very scary, and there are a lot of parallels between the Conjuring movie mm -hmm. and this haunting. I mean, supposedly the haunting. Right. What, right, right whether right. it really happened. Re like, yeah. Whatever these people are telling the Warrens and. Yeah. Like. I, when we watched The Conjuring, I was like, there's no way this lady is getting possessed, and the clocks are stopping, and... She said that in that clip. And the rotting yeah. meat thing. Oof, and, I know. But it seems like they were almost... They were obviously exaggerating the story, but yeah, pretty true to the story. Stuck to a lot of Which those. is scarier. And that there were mysterious deaths on the property, mm -hmm. just like in the movie, and that, that Bathsheba oh, character. Yeah. Oh, Beth. I thought that was a name they made up for the movie. I thought so too. Scarier that it no, wasn't. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. 
So that is the true story of The Conjuring in the haunting of the Perrin family. Wild. Wild. This week's scary story. (laughs) This week's scary story choice is the Enfield Poltergeist. I got the information for both The Conjuring Haunting and the Enfield Poltergeist from allthatsinteresting.com. The Enfield Poltergeist is actually the setting and the inspiration for The Conjuring 2 movie. So if you all are interested in Ed and Lorraine Warren, The Conjuring Universe, and these investigations, you can watch all of these movies right now on HBO Max. In The Conjuring 2, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren travel to England to investigate the Enfield haunting. Though the film is fictional, the alleged haunting in North London did take place in the 1970s. During that time, a single mother named Peggy Hodgson and her four children reported a series of bizarre incidents that happened at their home. More than 30 eyewitnesses later backed them up, describing items that flew through the air, matches that spontaneously burst into flames, and the voice of an old man that spoke through one of Hodgson's young daughters. Over time, some have come to see the Enfield poltergeist as concrete evidence of the paranormal, but others think that the entire haunting was orchestrated by the family who lived in the home. According to Peggy Hodgson, the haunting of her home at 284 Green Street, Enfield, in North London began in August 1977. Peggy, who lived there with her four children, Margaret, Janet, Johnny, and Billy, claimed that she first knew something was up after there was a crash upstairs. When Peggy went to investigate, she found Margaret and Janet cowering in the corner of their bedroom. We told our mom the chest of drawers was moving toward the bedroom door, Janet said. She said, oh, don't be silly. But the chest then slid across the room. I just couldn't believe it, Peggy said. In fact, I pushed it back twice, and a third time I couldn't move it. As a strange knocking noise seemed to be spreading through the house, Peggy went to get help. She first reached out to a neighbor and then to the police. When the police constable, Carolyn Heaps, arrived on the scene, she said that she witnessed a chair moving on its own. It came off the floor maybe a half an inch, Heaps remembered, and I saw it slide off to the right about three and a half or four feet before it came to rest. And with that, the Enfield haunting had just begun. As time went on, the strange events of 284 Green Street seemed to escalate. Graham Morris, a Daily Mirror photographer who visited the house at the family's request, described chaos, saying, things started flying around and people were screaming. Morris himself got hit by a flying Lego. Eerily, the Enfield poltergeist seemed to particularly focus on the 11-year-old Janet. I was used and abused, Janet recalled. Some unknown force, she said, yanked her through the air and forced her to levitate. Additionally, Janet began speaking in a gravelly voice of an older man. I pulled a clip of Janet speaking in this voice. I'm going to warn you guys now. It's a little creepy, but here it is. Before long, the voice was speaking to others and began giving clues to its identity. Can you tell me where you are at the moment in the room? On top of Janet. Why do you sleep on top of Janet? It's my bed. 
By 1978, the so-called Enfield haunting had attracted the attention of American paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. Though their involvement was not as expansive as it was in The Conjuring 2 film, the Warrens did study the case and conclude that it was an authentic haunting. Ed Warren said, Now you couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere in that little house, but you could film the levitations, teleportations, and dematerializations of people and objects that were happening there. Not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings made of these spirit voices speaking out loud in the rooms. In total, over 30 people also claimed to have experienced some kind of paranormal event during the Enfield haunting. They include reporters, police officers, lawyers, psychic researchers, and of course, the Hodgson family. But not everyone was convinced that the Enfield poltergeist was real. Some believe that Janice and her siblings faked the entire thing. To some, the Enfield haunting was nothing more than an elaborate prank. Skeptics claim that Janet made up the voice of Bill Wilkins, who was the man speaking through her, supposedly, and that her mother encouraged her for attention and fame. Perhaps most damning, investigators once caught the children bending spoons. Janet admitted to doing that, but said that she and her siblings were just trying to see if anyone could tell the difference. And Janet insists that they faked paranormal events just 2% of the time. The family's defenders also point out that Peggy Hodgson had nothing to gain from spreading the story. In any case, the hauntings trickled to a mysterious end in 1979, though the family says they sometimes experienced slightly strange things after the haunting, like odd noises, but nothing extreme has happened in years. So what do you think of that one? I don't know. I don't know. I'm always like the skeptic of everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's uh, weird. I, I can't stand that audio of her talking like that. Oh my gosh. Well, how does she do in two voices? I mean, I guess you can like... Do, like I guess you can make up another. any voice you want. Sure. I guess. But it's pretty terrifying. It's She's creepy. like an 11-year-old girl. It's really creepy. Yeah, she got really deep. <laughs> if I were to bet money... Mm -hmm. What do you think? On hauntings. This mm -hmm. would be at the top of the list of hauntings I think I would bet on happening. Really? Like, bet okay. on being true. Yeah, yeah. Though I don't believe it, like, a, I I don't think any of this, I think we both, we say that we're skeptics, mm -hmm. Nick more than I, but Duh. 30 witnesses? Yeah, it's pretty wild. That's a lot of witnesses. Police officers? Yeah. That's, That's what throws true. me. That's true. I don't, I don't know what to believe anymore these days with all these people. I know. Having I, all these, all these, uh, all these witnesses. <laughs> I pulled you into this <laughs> podcast that now poor Nick, now I have him like, I'm know, like, here, listen down. to Janet. Know. Come over here and listen to Janet talking in a demon voice. I'm going to put it on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what's real anybody anymore. Uh, uh. I think I. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I think it's a great story for Halloween. I think The Conjuring, True Life Haunting is a great story for Halloween. Yeah. And. If I were to make a list of the most believable hauntings, those two would definitely be towards the top. Sure. Do I believe them? I don't know. But they'd be at, towards the top of the most believable. Yeah. I'd be curious what everyone else thinks. Yeah, I would love to know. You guys uh, write me, email me. You can always email chillinwithcultclass at gmail.com. Follow on Instagram at chillinwithcult.class. And you can always follow me and my art at cult.class on Instagram. 
So send me emails, send me DMs, message me. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. And I hope you all have a wonderful, safe, spooky Halloween. Thank you so much for chilling with us. And we'll see you next Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard.